0: God's original announcement of Christmas, right? And we've seen that what God intended Christmas to bring uh, is really the things that I think most people really want. Uh, the first thing we saw was that God intended Christmas to get rid of fear. You know, remember the first thing God says through the angel is, fear not. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of fears that people have about all kinds of things. But the first thing that Christmas was really all about was God saying, hey, I'm with you. Jesus, one of Jesus' names is Emmanuel, which means God with us, and... uh God says, so therefore fear not. The second thing that uh, we saw that God intends Christmas to be is that Christmas is a source of genuine happiness in our souls. Uh, the angel, the, the message from God was, you know, I've got good news of great joy, uh, really genuine happiness inside. That God is not only with us, but that God is for us. And God intended Christmas to uh, enable us to live with that kind of joy. And then Uh, Furthermore, we saw that God intends to rescue us from everything that's wrong in life, including death, right? Unto you is born a savior, a savior, somebody who can rescue us from everything that's wrong, uh, even death. And this morning, I want to suggest to you that in addition to all of that, uh, God intends for Christmas to be able to give us a supernatural level of peace, an increase in the peace that's available to us. You remember in verses 13 and 14 of Luke chapter 2, suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace. On earth, peace, right? Among those with whom he is pleased. Peace sounds great, doesn't it? Everybody I know craves peace, um, Maybe you watched the uh, political debates this week, and um, I'm pretty convinced that peace is not going to come through politics, right? You? I think only Jesus is going to be able to give us peace. The truth is, in reality, fighting and arguing and conflict and disagreeing, and uh, they challenge our peace, all of those realities in our everyday life. And then on the inside, things like guilt and greed and anger and jealousy and insecurity and worry and anxiety steal that peace that God wants us to be able to live with. And uh, I think it really doesn't matter whether you're educated or uneducated. It doesn't matter whether you're rich or poor. It doesn't matter whether you're married or single. It doesn't matter matter whether you're young or old or if you're Swedish or African or Italian. Peace is elusive in our world. And uh, we live with a certain amount of unrest on a regular basis. But God intends Christmas to raise the level of peace that's available to us. And uh, Jesus is really the only one who can ultimately bring us real and lasting peace, peace on earth. And when Jesus returns, the Bible says, he's going to replace the kingdom of this world, which as the choir sung for us is under the influence and the leadership and the control of the evil one, and he's going to replace it with the kingdom of God, and he himself will rule over the nations. And there will be what we all long for, world peace. What a day that's going to be. Can you imagine getting up on one of those days, turning on the TV, and having nothing but good news come from all over the world? Hey, here's what Jesus did in Iran today. Hey, here's what Jesus did in Israel today. Hey, here's what Jesus did in Africa today. Hey, here's the new policy for America today. You know, can you imagine just turning on the news and having nothing but good news because Jesus is in control. There are many passages of scripture we could go to that talk about this, a very uh, well-known one in Isaiah chapter 9 around Christmas time. for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government someday is going to be on his shoulders. Imagine Jesus ruling the world, right? Someday the government's going to be on his shoulders. Not yet, but it's coming. And his name is going to be called the Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. You know, we have this uh, logo that we've been using this year for Christmas with these five uh, boxes, you know, that all have the top. And I keep thinking that those five boxes, inside those five boxes, uh, there are different dimensions of what God built into his son Jesus that he intends for us to enjoy, you know. And uh, these are his names, right? And uh, the last one there is the Prince of Peace. God intends for us to experience peace through the Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. And the zeal of the Lord of hosts will make it happen, right? You can have confidence that someday there's going to be peace. Someday. And uh, what a great day that's going to be. There's another, uh, we could go through a lot of prophets, but um, in uh, Micah chapter 5, the number of songs that we sang this morning mentioned the fact of uh, Bethlehem being the place where uh, Christ was born. And in Micah chapter 5 in verse, this is hundreds and hundreds of years before Christmas ever happened. But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, Uh, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be the ruler in Israel, whose origin is from old, from ancient days. This one who is going to be born is really from way back in the very beginning. In fact, he has no beginning, you know. And uh, and then you go down to verse 4, and he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord and the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they shall dwell secure, for now he shall be great, To the ends of the earth, and he shall be their peace. There is coming a day when that one who was born in Bethlehem will bring to us world peace. But right now, right now, peace is also available uh, to people with whom God is pleased. With whom God is pleased. It's an interesting phrase, isn't it? Um, The question immediately arises well, you know, with whom is God pleased? And I know the answer. So don't worry, I'm here. Um, Here's whom God is pleased with. God is pleased with people who recognize Jesus as God and submit to his authority. God is pleased with people who recognize Jesus for who he really is and who submit and yield their lives to his um, authority. Now again, there are many places we could go in the scriptures. Psalm 147, verse 11. uh, The Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him the Lord takes pleasure. With whom is God pleased? God is pleased with those who fear him uh, in those who hope in his steadfast love. With whom is God pleased? You know, and uh, that's in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, uh, in Philippians chapter 4, and Uh, Verse 5 and 6, the Lord is at hand. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses understanding, right, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. God is pleased with those who get to know him through Jesus Christ, those who talk to him, uh, those who pray to him, those who depend upon him and trust him. Peace on earth is available to those who avail themselves of God's indescribable gift at Christmas. Let me suggest to you three different dimensions of our lives where we need peace, or three different arenas in our lives where we need, desperately need peace. And, uh, you know, I think when people say, you know, I don't know what's going on. There's just something missing in my life. Usually what it is, it's peace that's missing. There isn't that just settled, satisfied, content uh, kind of uh, being able to enjoy life. And that's usually missing because peace is missing. And so first off, I would say we all need to be at peace with God. We need peace with God. Um, And we need it desperately. You know, the Bible says this, if God is for me, who could be against me? The opposite of that is also true. If God is against you, it doesn't matter who's for you. If God is for me, nobody can really be against me, right? But if God is against me, then who could be for me? It wouldn't matter if God is against me. And through Christmas, through Jesus, God is offering to stop being against us and to start being for us. God is offering peace with himself, first of all. God wants to make peace uh, with us. Now, I think most people have a sense that they're weak when it comes to God. When you think about getting close to God, you realize that you know God is strong and God is holy and I am weak and I am not holy. And I think that's why most people keep their distance from God. I think that's why most people don't pick up a Bible and read it. I think that's why most people don't really... Uh, get serious about getting into a group of people uh, who are going to be helping one another get closer to God. Because we all sense that when it comes to God, we're we're weak next to him. And our conscience kind of convicts us that we've sinned against God and that we've made ourselves actually his enemies. And so we stay away. But listen to what God has done because of Christmas. In Romans chapter 5, Um, here's what we read in verses 6, 8, and 10, for while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ came and died for the ungodly. Verse 8, but God shows his love for us in that while we are still sinners, Christ died for us. I'm so tired of talking to people who are thinking, you know, I would get closer to God if I could just clean up my life. If I could clean up my act, if I could do some more good deeds, if I could be a better person, then I wouldn't be so afraid of God. And so I'm trying really hard to kind of, but I just can't seem to make any progress. Because the closer I get to God, the more his light exposes who I really am. And then in verse 10, for if while we were were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, how much more, now that we've been reconciled, shall we be saved by his life? Listen, God comes to us. You cannot make peace with God. You can't buy it. You can't earn it. You cannot make peace with God. You and I are born into this world as his enemies. The only way that we can have peace with God is if God gives it to us as a gift. And that's what Christmas is all about. And that's why God says peace on earth and to those with whom he is pleased because God gives us that peace. It's a gift to us. You know, last... Week, I mentioned to you at the um, very beginning of human history in the Garden of Eden with our original parents, uh, there was a tree. And it was called the Tree of Everlasting Life, right? I think, I always think it was, must have been an evergreen tree, right? It's the Tree of Everlasting Life. And uh, because our original parents went against God, were weak, you know, sinned, became enemies of him, uh, and so forth, God blocked access to that evergreen tree, lest we forever would eat of that and then live forever in this condition where we were always arguing with God. And uh, so God blocks the access for that. But uh, as you know, um, all the way at the other end of the Bible, in the book of Revelation, in the very last chapter of the Bible, that tree of everlasting life appears again. And God makes access to that tree of everlasting life. And so Between the opening part of the Bible, Genesis, and the closing part of the Bible, Revelation, God, the whole message of the Bible is about God wanting to bless or make peace or be at rest with the people that he created. And God has made a way, the apex of that effort on God's part is Christmas sending Jesus into the world to die in our place, to take away everything that's between us and God so that we can be at peace. And so that that way of life to that everlasting tree can be opened up again. And uh, it reminds me that it's uh, only because God has come down. We actually have a gift for every family in our church, every family that's here this morning, of a tree. It's an evergreen tree. It's a Christmas tree, and uh, it's alive. And it's uh, for you to plant someplace. And we're hoping that it reminds you that there is a tree of everlasting life, right? And uh, as all evergreen trees, you know, they always uh, point up, right? And it always reminds us when I look at my Christmas tree and I think about it being evergreen, I think about this tree that we lost in the Garden of Eden that God has provided for us at the other side of our lives, and it always points up to remind me that the truth is, you know, unless God came down to make peace with me, I would never have an opportunity to be at peace with God. I would die an enemy of his. And that's what Christmas was meant to be. God intended for us. And I think about how difficult would it be to live your life if you didn't know that God was at peace with you, right? How difficult would it be to just live your whole life thinking that God's against you instead of for you? How difficult would that be? And so uh, peace comes from God. I can't attain it, I can't buy it, but God can give it. And it's all of grace. It's God's undeserved favor through sending Jesus into the world. Jesus really is, as was sung this morning, the light of the world. And that's why we cover these trees with lights, right? Because Jesus is the light of the world. When we have peace with God, we become reconnected with Him and we begin to live a whole different posture in our lives. I think without peace with God, we're like a cell phone without a signal. You ever think that you ever you know talk to somebody and they go through a tunnel or whatever and you lose the cell? How annoying is that? Constantly being cut off from God. We have these ideas about God, and maybe we go to church, maybe somebody dies, we go to a funeral home, we hear something, you know, we make a little connection, and we're starting to hear a little, and then it gets staticky, and then we're cut off again. It's like a GPS without electricity. It's useless. And if you try to navigate yourself through life without being connected to God, without having peace with God, keeping your distance from God, you're like a a GPS without electricity. And when I live my life my way instead of God's way, I'm fighting him. And when I fight God, that's what makes me his enemy. I make myself an enemy of his because he made me to be like him. Um, And when we try to ignore him, we live without the peace. And and without peace, you know, um, our spouses will tell us we can be pretty miserable and insecure and short-tempered and angry and irritable and, and grumpy and all the rest of it, right? Disconnected from God, we're at war with him. And uh, we give ourselves, the Bible says, Galatians 5, to all kinds of evil stupidity. And, uh, but when we get connected with God and we are at peace with God and we become one with God, then the Bible says we give ourselves to all kinds of godliness. We want to be like him. He's our father that we admire and that we recognize is right and that we trust. And then we become like him with love and joy and the fruits of the spirit and, and so forth. Uh, How can we ever be at peace with God? How can a, a human being ever be at peace with God? Can I suggest there's only one way? Surrender. Surrender. How can a human being ever be at peace with God? He surrenders. Whenever you have to make peace with a superior, you lay down your pride and you unconditionally surrender. You put up the white flag. You don't negotiate. You don't bargain. Maybe you try that for a while, but eventually you realize you're up against the superior. You are not going to win. And if you want to live, you surrender. And that's what God asks us to do, to surrender to the authority of his son, Jesus. Uh, And by surrender, I mean, you know, um, you admit that God is God and I'm not. God created me. He's the creator I am created. He's way superior to me. I don't negotiate with him. I don't bargain with him. I recognize him for who he is. And I surrender to him. And, uh, you know, you stop thinking, well, I know what's best for my life. And you realize, no, you know what? God knows what's best for my life. And I trust him more than I trust myself. And so we start to listen. We start to read his book. He wrote a book, you know, called the Bible. It's God's book. You know, it's a lot over a lot over 1500 years. God wrote the book, book, his book, and uh, and you worship him and you put him first and you honor him and you begin to adjust your life to him. Okay, peace with God. Once you have peace with God, may I suggest that, second, then we can be at peace with ourselves, we can find an inner peace in ourselves, we can be at peace with ourselves. Uh, Peace on the inside. Because why? Jesus takes away our guilt. He gets rid of our shame. He takes away our blinders. He replaces wrong perceptions and wrong thinking with truth. He puts hope in the place of sadness and grief. He expands our understanding of our lives from 80 or 90 years and explodes it into eternity and gives us a perspective that's way beyond the scope of just this life. And again, we suddenly begin to live in an entirely different way. We live connected to God, and uh, it makes a radical difference in our everyday life. The focus is off of our selfish self and onto the life-giving, gracious person of Jesus, and peace begins to invade the chaos of our life. We start to pray, and anxiety begins to uh, subside. Like uh, Paul says there in in Philippians, um, there's a peace that passes understanding. You can't understand it. It's coming into your life. You don't get it. You don't control it. You don't understand it. But you know what? You wake up the next day, and you're more peaceful than you were the day before. How does that happen? You know, the Lord's at hand. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication and with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses understanding, will guard your hearts. It'll get inside of you. Peace with God is one thing. The peace of God is something else. First, we need to make peace with God. Then, that peace begins to get inside of ourselves. And uh, if you were to ask the question, you know, what is it that threatens your peacefulness? Just think, why don't I live with a higher level of peace? What is it that creates anxiety in my life? For many of us, it's people, right? It's, it's our relatives at Christmas right about now, right? We allow people to kind of take away our, our peace, or we allow circumstances, you know, or or uh, we allow our past to kind of um, uh, steal our peace, our, um, our concerns, our problems about uh, job or health or uh, losses and, and so on. And so when that stuff threatens our peace, when that stuff comes our way, and it comes into everybody's life, basically there's three things you can do. When, the thing, when, when life threatens the level of peace that God intends for you to live with, there's basically three things you can do. Number one, you can, try to, you can try to control everything. You know, people just like, get so annoyed because of control. You can just argue harder. You can shout louder. You can carry a bigger stick. You know, you can spend more money. You can get more education. Whatever it is, you, you just, you know, you, you're going to control it. This is annoying, you know, and so I'm going to take control, right? That's one response you can have to the things that rob your peace. The second thing you do is just give in to it. Just say, you know what? It's not worth it. And uh, just kind of cop out just kind of get high, drink, you know, just do whatever you do to try to find some uh, peace on the inside. Uh, go shopping, binge, you know, play the poor me card, the victim card, and and all of that sort of thing. Or you can turn to Jesus. Third, what do you do when something threatens the level of peace? You can turn to Jesus, and you can see what he did in your situation. How did he handle people? How did he handle circumstances? How did he handle problems? And you can ask him to put your, his spirit in your spirit and give you that peace that passes understanding. And uh, you can experience a supernatural uh, level of peace. I love the invitation that Jesus gives us in Matthew chapter 11. He says, come unto me all you who labor and are heavy laden. Everybody who's tired, right? I love to go to this. How are you? Tired. Ah. Here's the passage for you. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. It's another word for peace. I'll give you rest. I'll enable you to sit down and really have some rest. You don't have to go on vacation. You don't have to spend a million dollars to go to Bora Bora. You don't have to buy something new. I, Jesus, can take my spirit and put it inside of you, and you can experience a supernatural kind of peace or rest, right? He says, take my yoke upon you, like connect with me. Take my yoke upon you. Let us become one and learn from me. How do you handle people, Jesus? How do you handle circumstances? How do you handle the problems that you face? Learn from me, Jesus says. Yoke up, hook up with me and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you'll find rest or peace for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Every time I read that, I think, I want to live like that. I want to live so connected to Jesus that that, that connection is, uh, you, you know, not a burden, not a chore, not an effort, but that it's light and that it's the key to life and it's the answer and that it produces peace and, and, and relaxation and, and joy, you know? Okay, so peace with God, peace with yourself, and then finally, uh, I think when you have peace with God and you're at peace with yourself, you can actually... Uh, have peace with other people. You can actually affect uh, the people around you. Uh, We can be at peace with others who otherwise would steal our peace. And, in fact, uh, we become, I think, what the Bible calls uh, peacemakers. You know, uh, Jesus, uh, when he was here, said, blessed are the peacemakers. Peacemakers, right? Right? And uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, uh, this is just a great passage. It talks about, again, God wanting to reconcile us, and I'll end with this. But he says um, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, uh, Therefore, if anybody's in Christ, they're a whole new creation. All right? When you are in Christ, you become a whole new deal, a whole new person, a new creation. The old passes away, behold, new has come, and all this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. To be reconciled is to make peace. It's when enemies become friends, they become reconciled, right? It's when uh, dissonance becomes harmony, reconciliation. And look what that verse says. It says God reconciled us to himself, made peace with us through Christ, right? And then he turned around and gave that job to us. Gave that ministry to us. Everybody has this ministry. Uh, That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Entrusting to us the ministry and the message. And the message is our privilege to go around the world and say, hey, do I have good news for you? God is not interested in holding your trespasses against you, and neither am I. The ministry and the message of peace or reconciliation, right? What a great uh, job God has left us to do. Uh, Reconciling the world to himself, not counting people's trespasses or sins against them. And God has entrusted that ministry and message to us. So here's what I did. I looked around the congregation a little bit, and I tried to find somebody who I thought had peace. And uh, I looked up in the choir, and I saw this rather angelic-looking young lady... And um, I asked her if it'd be okay, and so I'm going to ask her to come up here with me. I asked her if it'd be okay if I asked her some questions in front of all of you, okay? And she said yes. What a, you know, so have a seat. This is uh, Janice Kelb. And, uh, you know, look at this. A snoopy Christmas tree <laughs> is here. You know, it reminds me of when um, Charlie Brown, um, he said, you know, you remember when he said this? He says, it's Christmas, but I'm still not happy you ever feel like that? It's Christmas, but I'm still not happy, and so everybody's trying to encourage, you know, Charlie Brown can't do anything right, right, and so finally he says, I'm going to go find a Christmas tree uh, to see if I can't feel like Christmas, and so he goes and he picks out this tree, and, and somebody asks him why, and he says, I wanted to find a tree that was just like me, that just needed some love, and then they go and decorate it with that one single ball, and so I was going to ask you, Janice, if there's ever been a time in your life where you felt like Charlie Brown, right? Like you couldn't do anything right and uh, you didn't have any peace. Charlie Brown had a hard time finding peace with anybody. And uh, was there ever a time like that? I've known Janice for a long time, so I'm cheating a little bit because I already know. But <laughs> tell us about it, Janice.
1: Yeah, there's, um, there's been many times. It's kind of an ongoing story. So, um, but I think when we were talking, the thing that Um, stuck out in my mind was when I went through my divorce quite a few years ago. And, um, you know, I grew up in a Christian home and I've known Jesus for as long as I can remember. And when I got married, it was a commitment and it was something that was supposed to last. Mm. And it didn't. Mm. And that wasn't okay in my world. It Mm. wasn't okay with what I grew up knowing. And, you know, I felt like a failure. Mm. I felt... um, Like I was a disappointment to myself, to my family, to God. And I felt ashamed. Mm -hmm. I felt ashamed that I couldn't make something work, Mm -hmm. that I should know how to do. You know, I had great examples of what a godly marriage was like. Mm -hmm. So I should be able to do it, and and I wasn't. I wasn't able to do it, and it it felt really bad.
0: Mm -hmm. So... What did you do? I mean, how, what what happened after that?
1: So what I did, um, in my head, made perfect sense. Um, I stepped away from church. Huh. Because why? It, because it felt like a really unsafe place to be because I felt like, because I was so ashamed, it was a place I couldn't go because I felt like people would judge me because I was judging myself. Sure. So if I was judging me, why wouldn't other believers and other Christians? Hmm. And so I just... I just stepped away from God and what I did is I filled myself with things um and surrounded myself with people who I knew would tell me what I wanted to hear um not what I needed to hear but what I wanted to hear and then that became my safe place it wasn't a happy place I thought it was at the time but it it wasn't when I was there
0: yeah so what about your peace I mean well where were you at during that time
1: well I I would tell you probably then if you had asked me up I'm like I'm fine yeah. I'm pretty yeah, peaceful, yeah, yeah. I'm happy, this is great yeah. but I wasn't and, and what I didn't know then but what I kind of figured out years later was that even though I was choosing to be in darkness and be away from God that he was still holding me and he was putting things in my life to make me um, to make me find that peace, you know, he, I, even though I was pushing my friends away they were still there and giving me really good advice that I didn't know then, it probably just made me mad and I didn't know and um, what I found out that I had to do is to find my peace, and, and I honestly didn't understand this till many years later, is I had to forgive myself. Yes. I had to let go of my shame and my disappointment and my failure and say, it's okay, yeah. it's okay. I knew God forgave me, but I had to forgive myself.
0: Yeah. So once you forgave yourself, did, that, uh, did your peace with God kind of lead you to be able to forgive? What enabled you to forgive yourself? What happened?
1: Um, you know what, I was actually on a retreat, and this, okay. was, this was many years later. later. I, was, I was living back here. I lived in Minnesota for many years, and I was remarried, huh. and I was on a, um, a women's retreat. And honestly, I don't remember exactly what it was about, but it was about clearly about forgiveness and about uh-huh. forgiving yourself. And um, so it was just through that guidance, and for me to say it out loud, I forgive myself. I forgive myself for the things I did and and name it and own it that I just, I knew that God had forgiven me but he gave me the ability to forgive myself so that Mm. I could move on and that I could could be happy. And what I had to do is I had to give up my guilt and in doing that I found grace.
0: Mm. Praise God. So how did that then affect uh, your other relationships and stuff?
1: Well, like... Your mom? Yeah, you know, my relationship with my mom was always good. You know, I think it was a blessing that when I went through my divorce, I didn't live in Connecticut. I lived in Minnesota because it was easy to hide. And I think that, you know, our relationship was um, probably a little strained during then, but um, I probably didn't know it as much because I wasn't here. Um, And coming when I moved back home, which was 19 years ago, it was fine, and it Mm. it worked out to be okay. Mm. You know, we had to call each other out on a few things, but it was okay.
0: (laughs) (laughs) How about your relationship with other people? I mean, how does that affect your peace now and your ability to kind of, you know, be uh, a peacemaker, if you will, or be a reconciler or take on this ministry and this message? I mean, how does that play out in your life now?
1: Well, you know, I think, you know, we live in a really broken world, and my circumstances aren't always perfect, but how I choose to view my circumstances kind of changed how I feel about things. And I always try to see the glass half full. Hmm. I always try to find the good things in it. Even in, like, a miserable situation, I try to find something positive in it. Hmm. And I think people see that. You know, I, the other day I was at work, and my boss, um, he always he says to me, you're always so happy. And I'm like, that's not really a bad thing, you know. Yeah, really. <laughs> so I know that he sees it. You know, yeah. maybe he doesn't understand it, but he sees it. You know, yeah. so hopefully that's a question somewhere for him. Yeah.
0: You feel like uh, because of all of this experience that you went and lived through, that you're able to bring peace into other people's lives who are in this kind of broken state for now? Like you can bring hope into the midst of... Yeah, yeah. I,
1: I would hope so because, you know, I came through something that I thought I would never get out of that to me was really bad. Yeah. And um, in reality, it, was okay. it wasn't It was okay, but it was okay for me to come through it. Yeah. And God used that. God yeah. used it to help me understand um, people that no matter what situation somebody's in, like you can't understand what situation somebody's in, and you have to just look at it and be like you don't know where they are and try to find something to help them or to comfort them.
0: Excellent. Let's pray together. Okay. Heavenly Father, thanks for uh, Janice and her testimony here today because it's so true that, you know, uh, some of us who grow up in Christian homes and we know you and uh, we mess up, and we uh, kind of walk away from you, uh, but you, Father, never walk away from us, and you draw us back to yourself. Such good news, and, and I'm thankful that she's willing to come and to share with us, Father, how you can restore peace into people's lives if only they would embrace the Savior that you sent at Christmas time. And so uh, I pray, Father, there's probably folks here today who are living with less of uh, the kind of peace that you intend for us than is available, and I uh, that her story would just kind of uh, cause us to come uh, again to Christ and to find that uh, next level of peacefulness on the inside uh, that would free us, Father, from all the negative things that are so much a part of so many of our lives. So thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you, Father, for making a way for us to live with peace. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to ask our ushers now if they'd come and wait on us as we continue to worship uh, through the giving of our tithes and our offerings this morning.